the worship team is going to be taking off some really needed time and rest. But I want you to be assured that we will always have at least one person up here. We are going to still provide quality worship and as many instruments as we possibly can. And last of all, Rex and Mary, who have been cleaning the building for so long, really need a break. So we're asking that if you see any trash laying around in the building, that you wouldn't mind just picking it up and throwing it away. We want you to understand these changes are temporary. This is not permanent. They are also not true. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that's over with. <laughs> uh, God, help me pull this off. <laughs> I repeat, none of this is true. It's not really going to happen. And if anybody else heard this and they didn't hear me say it wasn't true, please let them know it's not true. I said all of this for one reason, to make a point in my sermon. The point is this. It's your turn now. I bet everyone clapping are volunteers. <laughs> but that is actually the title of my sermon. It's your turn now. You see, it's your turn now to help carry some of this load. It is your turn now to do what God has called you to do. It's your turn now to use your gifts in the house of God. It's your turn now to make a difference in the lives of others and to serve others. You see... We need everyone. And sometimes we get this backward. We want others to serve us, don't we? We want others to serve us. Do you realize every time you come to church, today, every time you come to church, you are being served. Others are using their God-given gifts and their abilities to minister to you. The worship team just served us so beautifully so we could enter into the presence of God. And that the, the children's ministers, when they take your children, they are serving you and your children. I am serving you the word of God right now. The ushers are serving you. Everyone has a part. The, 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 instru I mean, the uh, sound team in the back are serving you. Is that what they're called, baby? Media. The media is serving you. So that really is why most of us come to church, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with that. We come to church to be served. It's okay. However, it shouldn't end there. It should not end there. Matthew 20, 26 through 28, Jesus said this. This is so good. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So if we want to be like Jesus, then we need to serve others. Every one of us, no exceptions, are called to serve and to do ministry in the house of God. The word ministry comes from the Greek word diakonos, and it means a servant, a minister, one who serves. It's also the root word for the word deacon. And diakonos is not a special office. In fact, Vine's Bible Dictionary says it means to render any kind of service. 
render any kind of service using your gift. Uh, the, it was never used in the Bible to describe a title or an office, such as like an ordained pastor. Diakonos implies that every believer should serve one another according to the gifts they have. It refers to a person who is serving in ministry. That's you according to your gifts and within the body of Christ. So you know what that means? I said all that to say this. You are a minister. I know I'm a minister. Pastor Joe's a minister. You are a minister. In the house of God. Every believer is. But we think, we tend to think, I know we do, that ministry is limited to the staff or to certain people who are called or, or more gifted. But I'm telling you that you are called and you are gifted. Even if you don't think you're gifted, you have something to offer other people. No matter how small it is, it's important. Ministry is simply you using your gifts to bring glory to God. That's what it is. Every one of us has received at least one gift, and everyone should be using that gift. Because we don't want my introduction to become true. And you know, in many churches it is. It's the 80-20 principle. 80% of the people are 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. So I want to look at six reasons why we should use our gifts for ministry. Are you there? Are you with me? Okay. The New Testament says we are all ministers. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. You see, the New Testament lifts believers to a higher level of expectation because of the grace of God and the calling that God has given us. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, Peter describes followers of Christ as a holy priesthood. You see, that puts Christians, all of us, in the role that was once performed in the Old Testament only by the priests. In the Old Testament, only the priests could minister to God. But we get to minister to God, every one of us. And we do that by ministering to others. It's an honor. It's a privilege. We're called because we are priests. We're called to minister. Peter said all of us are priests. And that is an honor in the house of God. Number two, our spiritual growth is stunted unless we use our gifts. If I asked how many here today desire to grow in God. I know it would be probably every single one of us, or why would we be here? We desire to grow in God. But here's the key to growing in the Lord that we oftentimes forget. We must use the gifts God gave us. Ephesians 4.16, as each, each, not as some or a few, but as each does its part, its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Using gifts 
brings growth so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, your spiritual growth will be limited unless you are using the spiritual gifts that God has given you. It will also limit the growth of other people and the growth of our church. You see, we grow spiritually through prayer in the word, Christian fellowship, and using our gifts to minister. Let's not leave that off. Many believers think attending church is their ministry. I'm here today to tell you that is not your ministry, just to attend church. But they don't do their part to serve others. And they aren't really growing because they aren't serving. Romans 6, um, Romans 12, excuse me, 6 through 8 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, others serve them well. And if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. All of these, these aren't even all the gifts. These are some of the gifts. There's no question. The Bible does not leave any confusion about the fact that we should use the gifts that God has given us. And when we do, spiritual growth happens. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of those here that are serving and using their gifts. Do you know we have some volunteers that are serving in two and some in three areas? Because they're trying to make up the difference, the deficit. So we, we stunt our growth when we don't use our gifts. Number three, the needs of people will never be met without church involvement. If the members of this congregation don't minister, many needs will go unmet. And that is heartbreaking for us as pastors. We don't want to see one person left without their needs being met. In fact, do you know that lay ministry, which is like body, the body doing ministry, you doing ministry, began because needs in the church weren't being met. In Acts, the widows were being neglected. And the leaders realized, wait a minute, we can't do it all. We can't meet everybody's needs. So they turned that ministry over to the body, to the care of others. To do that ministry. And that is what we are trying to do. What we desire to do. And the New Testament principle. It's so clear. That all. Let me say it again. All of God's people should serve. The pastors cannot do it all alone. Not even with the most amazing staff that we have. I mean they are amazing. But they can't do it all. It's not possible. And that is why. It's your turn now. And when we begin to minister to others, lives are changed. That's kind of the bottom line right there, changed lives. What is our vision? Touching heaven, changing earth. We, we touch heaven, we touch God, but it's not just for us. It's not just for you. It's for you to give it to somebody else. So today I want to give you a perfect example of this. I'm going to ask Pastor Jimmy and Andy Chavez if you would both come up, if you would make your way up here. Whether you want to stand down at the bottom is fine, or if you want to come up, Andy, that's fine. But both of you can come up here. And today I want you to see, when Jimmy Marsh first came, this is Jimmy right here. 
grabbing the mic. When he first came to Grace, he had been a member of another church I found out the other day for like 10 years, but he wasn't able to find a place to serve. He was looking for a church where he could serve. And when he came to Grace, we were so excited to hear that. He, he said, I want to serve. And man, that's like he's speaking our language. But we had heard that so many times from different people who never really did follow through. However, that was not the case with Jimmy and Margaret March. Uh, they have been involved in children's ministry together. Jimmy is a leader in our men's ministry. And he's now taking over the leadership of our pastoral care ministry. Thank you, Jimmy. We honor you. As Paul said, follow my example as I follow Christ. I say, follow Jimmy's example in this. He has, is such an example of this. So he's done all these things, but he also ministers to our brother Andy Chavez here. So first, Jimmy is going to share, and then Andy's going to share a little bit. Go right ahead. Good morning. Both Andy and I give praise, honor, and glory to God. You know, Andy and I met five years ago on a Sunday morning uh, before the start of the 11 a.m. service. And the Holy Spirit just told me to speak to him. You know, I could, I could sense in his spirit that he was troubled. I could see it in his face as well. But I will tell you that from that time till now, Andy has become a strong brother in God. Woo! And, you know, he's one of my dearest and closest brothers in Christ. Well, when I met Jimmy, which was five years ago, um, I just felt that um, he was able to, he was someone I could talk to. Um, he gave me his number. He said, whenever you have time, you want to talk? I mean, you just call me. And so I did that. <laughs> and there was a lot of talking. Um, but he's been there for me for my surgeries and yeah, surgeries, my shoulder surgery. He took me to that and, um, I want to say thank you. And if it wasn't for Grace Church, just landing here, which I can call home now, um, and the great pastors that are here. Thank you. I want to say thank you. And, um. I want to say thank you to Margaret for giving, yes. for letting Jimmy care for me and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything that Jimmy has done for me. Um, thank you, buddy. Amen. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, brother. And, you know, this is what the culture of care is all yes. about. Yes. You know, um, Pastor Deborah's uh, title of her sermon is a prophetic word for our church. It's our turn now. Amen. You know, when Margaret and I came here seven years ago, uh, our first visit, one of the first things I told Pastor Joe was, I want to serve. Mm-hmm. And God has blessed me since I've been here to do so. I've been uh, serving with Minister Selwyn for seven years with the men's ministry. Uh, for more than three years, we served taking Jesus to the streets with some of you here in the auditorium. 
We went and knocked on doors in the community and told people who God is. I've uh, worked my very supportive and loving wife, Margaret, and I served in the children's ministry for several years. I, I, I've been on the altar prayer team for more than four years. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I served with Phil Spectrum and a group of men and with facility sets, set up, and we still do that. Both Andy and I have served with the uh, homeless ministry with Mary Carter. Uh, we're going out this Wednesday, wow. God willing. You know, last year, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to mentor to young teenage boys. And immediately, I became a big brother with big brothers and big sisters here in Tarrant County. Wow. Now, I say all that to say that I've always asked God to let me serve him anonymously because Aww. it's not about me. It's about him. But for such a time as this, I stand up and I serve him because it's our time now. Yeah. God bless. Yes. Yes. Thank you both so, so much. I also know this. Hey, babe. Can you take this mic? <laughs> I started using it. <laughs> I don't have to hold a mic. Thank God. I know this also. Uh, they have gone on vacation together. They have Andy over to their home for meals and fellowship. I mean, this is such an amazing example. But you know what, church? We have thought that we were providing good pastor pastoral care here at Grace. But we've come to the realization that for the most part, we're providing crisis care. It's usually when someone is in a crisis that they receive care. But what about those who are not in a crisis? We want those individuals to get care so they don't become in a crisis. Should they not receive care? Of course they should. So as your pastors, we are asking you to pray. Listen, we're not going to twist your arm behind your back. We're not going to pressure you. We're asking you to pray for everyone to receive care and to have th that which they need in their life for us to provide authentic congregational care to each person. We need you. But here's the thing. We're going to need many people out of the congregation to help us with this goal. So next Sunday, Pastor Joe is going to be giving you more information on the uh, Care Ministry Network and how you can get involved. We're not going to just ask you to get involved. We're going to show you how to get involved. So please, like I said, begin praying about committing yourself um, because this we're excited. I'm telling you, we are excited. We know God is in this, and we know God is going to use you to meet needs. Um, also, do you know that when someone comes to Grace for the first time, one of the things we hear so many times, and even after they've been here a while, is what a friendly church we are. And we thank God for that. But listen, here's the thing. People don't just need a friendly church. They need friends. Because friends are how needs get met. And, you know, here's the other thing. When people first come to church, you know within the first 10 minutes, before they even come in this sanctuary to worship or to hear the word preached, they have made up their mind whether or not they're going to come back to grace. 
And that is based on the, the presentation that they receive, the people and how the people minister to them. It's based on, is there a clean building? Does somebody greet them? Is the children's ministry st- safe and inviting? And are people friendly? Do we have more than one person on the stage? Do we have workers in the classrooms? Do we have trash picked up in the building? All those things matter. And that's important that we all do our part. And you know what? Thank you that people come in here and say this is a friendly church. I, I totally agree with them. Y'all are amazing at greeting people and loving people and obviously at bringing people into your life and taking them under your wing too. So we are asking you to realize it is your turn now. So our, my fourth point is the church is incomplete without everybody doing their part. You see, it will, the church will never be whole and a healthy body unless everybody uses their gifts and does their part. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 22 says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. That I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So if you think you're weak or you don't have the greatest gifts or what are my gifts, my gifts don't matter, you're the indispensable one. Keep that in mind. So you are now without excuse, right? So every part of the church and every, every part of the church needs every other part of the church. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And here's what happens. This is what happens when everyone does their, doesn't do their part. When everyone doesn't participate and do their part. First of all, abuse. Too many people are having to use too many gifts. They're overloaded. They're worn out. And they're tired from carrying someone else's part. But they're servants, so they continue to try to press through. Or disuse. Too many people aren't using their gifts. And misuse. People are using the wrong gifts. So I want to read a parable to you. A group of animals decided to improve their existence by starting a school to teach swimming, running, climbing, and flying. The duck, an excellent swimmer, was deficient in other areas, so he majored in climbing, running, flying, much to the detriment of his swimming. The rabbit, a superior runner, was forced to spend so much time in other classes that he soon lost much of his speed. The squirrel, which was an A-plus climber, I know that because they are in our backyard chewing up our trees and everything else, dropped to a C because the instructor spent hours trying to teach him to swim and fly. The eagle was disciplined for soaring to the treetops instead of learning how to... The eagle was disciplined. Oh, he was disciplined for soaring to the treetops. And instead of learning how to climb, even though... Instead, he had to learn how to climb, even though flying was so natural for him. This parable... It painfully portrays what happens in the church. 
Many times we want a different gift, and we try to use gifts that we don't have. Some of, us, some of us are trying to do things we shouldn't, and we're not doing the things we should. That's why here at Grace we say, if you start out in a certain ministry and it's not where you feel you're supposed to be, then let your overseer know and you can move to something else. We're totally supportive about that. Keep trying until you find what you're supposed to do. You see, if God made you a rabbit, then run. If he made you a squirrel, then climb. If you're an eagle, then soar. If you're a duck, then waddle. And don't get upset because you waddle when you run. Some of us waddle even though we aren't ducks. So. <laughs> oh, I think the point is obvious here. Be who God created you to be. And use the gifts he gave you. Because here's why. This is a big one. Not using your gifts displeases God. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, Jesus tells a parable of the talents. And a master had gone on a journey, and so he entrusted talents to his servants. And one was given five talents, the other two, and the other one. Hey, we all want to be five talent. But you know what? We're not all five talent people. I don't feel like I'm a five talent person. I really don't. But the one who had one talent did not use his gifts because it wasn't as much as the others, and God was displeased with him. You see, God not only gives different gifts to different people, but he also gives different amounts of gifts to different people. I can remember a time in our early years because everything I know and learned about preaching, I learned from him. So if this is really terrible, it's his fault. <laughs> And I am so thankful for that. He has spent countless hours with me, mentoring me and preaching. But there is no doubt in my mind, this is a five-talent man. I mean, he could preach the phone book, you know. I have so much respect for him that I just wanted to be like him when I grow up. And so I would try to imitate him and do everything the way he said to do it or the way he did it. And, you know, it just really wasn't working. People would even say, you kind of act and preach a lot like Joe. We want to see you up there, you know. So I, ex I had to accept that, and I had to learn that I needed to use my own gifts. And what helped me a lot was this. It was when I realized God gave me abilities that were different from him, Gifts that were different from him. One of them is the gift of always being right. <clears throat> that one worked. Right, babe. Always. <laughs> so this parable teaches us how important it is that we use our gifts because when the master came back, we don't want someday to stand before him but when he came back, the first thing he wanted was to see who used their gifts and how they used them. And we will all stand before him and give that account. Also using our gifts to minister to others, it ministers to God. In Matthew 25, 35 through 40, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see us when did we 
see you a stranger and, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. That's touching. That's touching. Using your gifts pleases God. Not using them displeases God. Number six, my last point, the harvest increases as involvement in ministry increases. You know, Jesus knew that the only way the harvest of souls would ever be reaped depended on having laborers. He said in Matthew 9, 37 through 38, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He said the problem isn't the harvest. The problem is the laborers. You see, if we, if we can just get the church to do what it's supposed to do, we wouldn't even have to worry or think about the harvest. Because the harvest would happen. And this passage makes it so clear that some things will not get accomplished without your involvement. Listen, God is not unlimited. We know that. But sometimes God chooses to limit himself to working through us. That's an amazing and sobering thought. We saw it up here today. God worked through Jimmy to bless um, uh, Andy. I always want to call him Alan, to bless Andy. So we saw that right in front of our eyes today. So he sometimes chooses to limit himself to working through us. And that's a sobering and amazing thought. Augustine said this, without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. God wants to use us. And that is why it is your turn now. So I close with this true story. During the Second World War, a small French community had a statue of Christ right in the center of the town. But during the bombings, the statue was just kind of broken into several pieces. But they were able to collect the pieces, and with great affection, they were able to rebuild the statue of Jesus. The statue wasn't as beautiful with all the cracks, but to them, it was more beautiful. However, when they had almost put all the pieces together, they realized they were missing the nail-scarred hands of Jesus. They were so disappointed. They started to take the statue down until one person placed a plaque at the bottom of the statue, and that plaque read, I have no hands but yours. You see, all of a sudden, the people understood something that I wish we understood. We are his hands. He wants to use your hands. We are the extension of his ministry. And he is limited if we don't use our gifts for his glory. And I challenge you today, choose to be his hands. The hands of Christ to someone. Start somewhere. Do something. Do anything. Get rid of all the excuses. Minister to the Lord by ministering to other people. It's your turn now. Find a place and serve and minister.
in Jesus' name and to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, if ever I have prayed that we would not just be hearers of the word but doers also and not so deceive ourselves, I am praying that now. I thank you for this body who is serving, those who are giving their time and their talents and their, their gifts and, and their tithing and their showing up. I thank you for each and every one of them, and I know they are pleasing to you. And I pray for those who are struggling with it. And I pray, God, you would speak to their hearts. I pray that they would move forward, whether it's convenient, whether they're sure about what they're doing, whatever it might be, God, that you will move on them and that you will move on each and every one of us to use the right gifts, the right amount of our gifts, and to do what brings glory to your name and what creates a culture of care in this church, God. Because our desire is to bless you, Jesus, to extend your kingdom, to bring in the harvest. And we thank you, thank you so much for your word, for how you've designed it, God, for your wisdom. You're so wise, God, in how you have designed truth for us to walk in. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. Pastor Joe.